Night's changing. Spiders seem to levitate in headlights. While deer hide dumb on the bushes. And three snakes hang from the branches of a small tree in front of a house. safe and healthy and I hope this finds you doing well. It's been a couple weeks since I did one of these. I've been busy recording the new Tombs record which we completed yesterday. We finished tracking everything yesterday and I just got a couple things to do. Then uh, Bobby Torres is going to be mixing this thing and then it'll be a done deal. But uh, more importantly, just when you thought things couldn't get worse, The country is now on fire in the middle of this global pandemic. Some uh, police officers who couldn't control themselves are now being brought to bear witness for the things they've done. And uh, there's just insanity, burning, looting, riots, protests, all this stuff going on all in the middle of this health crisis that we're experiencing. And it's uh, pretty crazy shit. And, um, the uh, mighty Chuck D, I'm going to paraphrase here, um, said something recently, and he said that I wish we could love black people as much as we love black culture. And that uh, resonated with me because, um, you know, black people are getting killed, cops are killing black people, and uh, we are, you know, white culture, if you will, in this country owes so much to the black experience, music, movies, uh, fashion, all this sort of stuff. Yet black people themselves remain out on the margins. And um, I just think that's a uh, incredible injustice. And uh, I hate talking about this stuff, honestly, because in this climate with the quote unquote woke cult, with the quote unquote woke culture, there's always the risk of coming off as being disingenuous or being some bleeding heart, you know, white savior. And uh, I don't feel qualified to speak about these things. Uh, I can just, you know, speak from the heart and express the way I feel. And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, my life is filled with people from all cultures. And uh, I just uh, I think it's it's a real tragedy that stuff like this is going on. Now, what interesting times we live in, that's all I can say. The country is probably the most divided that it's been since the Civil War. I mean, think about that for a second. I think it's true when I say that. I mean, we were, um, you know, the Civil War, we had warring factions killing each other. And um, it... From day to day, it seems like we're only a few steps away from something like that. I mean, I hope it doesn't come to this, but it's uh, it's a very intense situation. I think this is going to go down in history as one of those notable points. You know, we have a fool running the country, a reality TV show star, um, failed businessman, um, you know, media uh, bully. <laughs> A guy who's never succeeded at anything and has has ridden into infamy 
on the coattails of his family's wealth and by putting his name on everything. And uh, that's our leader right now. And it's uh, when he was elected, I had the feeling that something horrible was going to happen. And of course, in the, you know, the last year of the first, hopefully the last four years of his reign of terror in this country, something awful is happening. I mean, it's been happening all along, but, you know, we have this health crisis and now we have this racial tension and uh, riots and this guy just uh, wants to sit in the White House and, you know, tweet like a 17-year-old girl um, inciting violence instead of trying to, you know, take the uh, composed legitimate strong leader role in this which is what we all need in uh speaking to people's best interests you know our our public best interest instead of trying to further divide the country and created an us and them situation you know i mean i think i saw recently that trump has been saying that all the looting is being done by like you know uh, liberal democrats and i don't know it's it's fucking nonsense man and it's it's really upsetting to me and that's more important than most things that are going on right now. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. It's like even amidst, uh, I've been super busy these last few weeks, um, you know, just working my regular job, going to the studio, um, getting that thing done. I've been catching glimpses of this whole drama as it, as it unfolds, you know, watching all the videos and, uh, you know, seeing what people are posting on social media and, um, yeah, it's 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 heartbreaking, you know, and and um, I just think that uh, people combined with the frustrations that they have uh, with respect to this uh, health crisis and the fact that people of color seem to be um, hit harder statistically, and that could be a number of reasons because they're on the front lines, they're they're working at jobs that are deemed essential. Um, vitamin D deficiencies. I mean, you know, the, there's a ma- many reasons why that could be happening. And to make things worse, cops are murdering people of color, and it's it's tragedy. And um, yeah, that's. Uh, I hope everyone is taking time to reflect on this stuff. And um, and once again, I, I don't I don't feel comfortable really talking about these types of topics. Um, because I've also, you know, I've been very critical of the woke culture and everyone needing to have their own tragedy and maybe getting shine from other people's tragedies, you know, so they can identify with the victim. And I, I, you know, I'm very critical of that, that movement in our culture. And that's why I've sort of eschew, uh, you know, adding to that narrative. But in this case, I just feel like everyone should be expressing themselves and there should be some kind of, um, you know, expression of that feeling of, of, of sorrow, you know, and sadness and outrage. One of the things that I've done to sort of take control of myself here, my own fate is I actually went out and I got a COVID-19 test and I tested negative I uh, did it about two weeks ago, right before we started, uh, you know, finishing up this recording. And it was done for free. It was done in a Rite Aid. And it's part of a nationwide study that's going on to establish a baseline. And um, actually, hold on a second here. Let me just look this up. 
project baseline. I want to make sure I get this correct. Yeah, I got a guest night, I guess right. So I urge everyone to go out there and um and get tested. It's the only way that we're gonna get, you know, hold of this whole this whole thing that we're going through. You'll know for certain whether or not you have contract, you know, whether or not you you actually have the virus. It won't give you the um, antibody test. That's another test that you have to draw, have blood drawn for. But this is the test where you, you it's all done uh, hands off, like you do it yourself. And um, this is with the swab up the nose and all that sort of business. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take you guys through what happened. It's like, uh, it's kind of a PSA, if you will. Um, so you go to Project Baseline and you, you create an account and you uh, put in your zip code and it tells you where the nearest location is. In my case, it was a Rite Aid in Edison, New Jersey. And I think that Project Baseline is uh, partnered up with Rite Aid Pharmacy. And uh, there might be other pharmacies associated with it too, but I just know that the, I went to a Rite Aid personally. You pick a date, um, pick a time slot, you show up 15 minutes early. In my case, uh, because they asked me to show up 15 minutes early, I was actually there like uh, 20 minutes early because I'm one of those five minute ahead of schedule type of people. Um, you know, you, you read the directions. There's a little instructional video uh, that you can watch before you go. And it tells you what basically what the whole thing entailed. So you have a little preview. You go to the drive-thru. Um, there's a guy in the drive-thru window who is instructing you through your passenger side window. Like there's like a little monitor where he communicates with you and he's watching you through the passenger side window from his window behind the drive-thru. And there's like a, a box with like these buttons on it. And then they send over this capsule filled with the materials for the test. So, you know, pew, this like, air tube blows over this capsule you hit a button a window sh opens up you pull out the uh, this this egg-shaped uh, cylindrical sort of tube it's reeks of bleach i mean they, they douse this thing with bleach man and 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 like much to my uh you know dismay um i actually stained my hoodie and and pants i had these like uh you know, black like cargo pants on and I had my uh, Holy Mountain printing hoodie and um, they were got a little bit of bleach on there because I put this thing in my lap. So heads up, if you take this test, make sure that you put this tube somewhere that's not on your person. Otherwise, you run the risk of getting uh, bleach stains on your clothes. So the guy's like, all right, open up the container. You open the container. There's inside the container is a kit that has a tube, a swab, and an alcohol like gauze pad that's in a in like a uh, package, and then there's uh, an envelope, a clear plastic envelope, baggy, with your paperwork in there that identifies who you are. And there's some sort of I'm sure there's like a barcoding kind of type of thing, and the test tube itself has your name and your information on there, so they know who it is. Um. You take you break the uh, package for the swab you open up the container you put this swab into one nostril and the guy on the other end he's counting one two 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. In that duration, you're supposed to be pushing the swab into your nostril for that period of time. And then you rotate it, you withdraw it, you do the same for the other nostril. And um, that's how you'd make, you collect the sample. My right nostril, I couldn't even get it in for some reason. It was just this completely restricted passageway, which uh, <laughs> makes me wonder about my breathing. Um, left nostril, slid right in no problem so wonder i'm wondering about uh about why one nostril is more you know restrictive than the other and i'm thinking about how huh, i wonder how that affects my cardio but anyway you take the sample you break one end of the swab off so that it can fit into the test tube you put the sample end in there's a slight quantity of fluid in there which i'm, I'm assuming is some kind of reagent or whatever you put the stopper on the test tube, you place it in the bag, which has like a foil adhesive strip on it. You close it up, boom. You take the capsule, you put the empty capsule, you put it back in the uh, box receptacle and pew, it sucks it over back to the guy with uh, the vacuum air tube that they have. The guy tells you to take the uh, alcohol gauze and wipe off the controls on the um on the box receptacle box uh you drive up a couple feet there's a there's another uh receptacle where you drop your bag with the sample in it and then you drive away and that's it the whole thing took like less than five minutes uh that's not counting uh waiting online that was about you know there was like one or two people ahead of me so that was gonna be 10 minutes i was in and out in about since from getting online to driving away it was about 15 minutes so yeah it's 15 minutes out of your day they tell you that it takes between two to five days for your results to show up uh two days later i got my results they emailed it to you there's a um you know a link takes you to your account you log into your account there's a pdf of your results you can download the pdf you know, save it on your computer, put it on your phone in case people ask you about the results or whatever. You, you have it with you. Um, and and it's also saved on your account. Like your account is online now with them. You can, um, you know, take as many tests as you want. I plan on getting tested again in two weeks. Uh, just I'm going to continue to get tested. I think that it's important to do that. And um, at some point when there's a higher level of of um, comfort with uh, the accuracy of the antibody tests, I'm going to get the antibody test done because I, I want to see what the results of that are. I feel that there is no possible way that I could not have been exposed to COVID-19. You know, I mean, I lived in New York during the height of the infection. And, um, you know, New York State... Is it seems to be doing well. I mean, I, I watch Governor Cuomo Monday through Friday. Everything's low. The number of cases are coming down. The number of deaths are coming down, which is a, a big relief. But I was in New York City, man, in, uh, you know, let's see, March, April. March and April. You know, I moved to Jersey in May, which was on the other side of the, of the, of the, uh, the, the curve. So... 
on the ascent and the plateau and the peak, I was living in New York City. And um, a couple of episodes episodes ago, we had Mike DeGuzman on, who was talking about his experiences. It turned out that you know Mike was never actually diagnosed with COVID nineteen when he was going through that because it was still uh, the point of the infection where they were afraid of the hospital system being overrun. So they, they told you to stay home and gut it out until unless you were like on death's door, basically. So if you go back and listen to that episode, Mike talks about he had like 911 on speed dial and he couldn't breathe. And he just was like any minute he felt like he was going to tap out and, and call for the ambulance. But he ended up making it without doing that, which you know, I, I probably would have I probably would have tapped out. I would have been like, hey, get me into the hospital, man, you know. But then again, you're hearing about how when they put you on a respirator, it's all over, you know, so maybe it's, it's better just to hang at, hang in there at home, you know, who knows, who knows if Mike went to the hospital, what would have happened to him. But anyway, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he's okay. And it turns out that he tested positive for the antibodies, confirming that he was in fact infected with COVID-19 during the month of March. Now, March was the beginning of the lockdown. All through January and February, I was training at the gym that Mike was the instructor at, part owner, you know, one of the three owners of Raktan Muay Thai. So, you know, Mike must have been infected a couple of weeks prior to when he actually developed symptoms. So at some point in February, um, there must have been other people that have that were exposed and there's no possible way, man. We're all in a, one room. We're sweating. We're sparring together. We're hitting pads. We're, we're in close quarters. I had to have been exposed during that period of time. Now, forget about the fact that I was taking the subway to and from work every day. And that back then, no one was, uh, you know, exercising any kind of social distancing. Everyone's like right up on top of each other. People are sneezing without covering their mouths. You know, there's like uh, people breathing on you. Everyone's touching everyone. And, you know, it's uh, I don't know how in any stretch of the imagination I could not have been exposed to this thing. So I'm interested. You know, I, I'm I don't have any any in my system now. I'm not you know, I'm, I'm negative. But I'm really interested to see about the antibody test. So I don't know, man. It's a, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of a world, world we emerge into after all of this. I mean, I go back and forth about how I feel about things. It's like things could be better. You know, maybe things are going to be, people are going to not, you know, I feel like New York is going to become less populated. I mean, you know, people have already been leaving. Hell, I already left. I moved out. I mean, I, I didn't move that far away. I'm still, technically, I'm in the metropolitan area, but I don't live in the city anymore. And I think maybe offices are probably going to take the uh, standpoint that, hey, man, maybe we don't need everyone in here all the time on top of each other. And best case scenario, I, I kind of, I've always liked going into an office, honestly. Working at home has been sort of a drag, I think, uh, I mean, I tend to be a bit of a solipsist anyway, and uh, I, I can cut myself off pretty easily, but then, you know, I, I don't reach out to many people, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And um, 
isolation starts to set in, especially since you can't really go anywhere right now. So I'm like stuck at home and, you know, it was good to be working on the record, which was like, put, got me out of the house. You know I mean? I, I mean, I can't complain. I, I don't, I'm not living in the epicenter of this thing. There's trees. There's like a beautiful nature greenway, literally right behind where I live, which I have to have, take full advantage of for running and just taking walks. Like I actually took a nice walk today through there, you know, it's Sunday and uh, there's other people out there. Quiet town. You know, you can walk down the street. Like there's a Dunkin' Donuts up the street for me in a Walgreens. And um, sometimes I walk up there if I want to get my, uh, my fix of uh, low quality coffee. If I'm going to go and buy some supplies at Walgreens, I'll walk up there and I won't, I won't run into anyone until I get to the store. I won't see a single soul walking on, on the sidewalk. So as opposed to New York where it's like nonstop humanity all the time. So uh, I feel fortunate, you know, but I would be happy when things start opening up. Um, I'm interested to see how that goes. Then like the other side of me thinks that maybe this is the beginning, like in a zombie film, like one of my favorite parts of uh, the zombie story is like those first few days, like when you, no one knows what's going on. You know, I, I mean, we'll get into this later because I want to talk about this, but uh, there's there's the Walking Dead offshoot, Fear the Walking Dead, where in the first season it was like started when things were normal. Everyone's living their life and then suddenly sh things just start sliding into fucking chaos. And I think at there are, there are times when I feel like this might be those days, especially now where there's like a potential race war, <laughs> which is going to happen. And uh, this might be the beginning of the end, or it might just be one of those things we get through. So the next few months are going to be very interesting, especially with the election coming up. But, uh, but yeah, go out, get tested. It's not a big deal. Um, it only takes, like I said, five minutes. It gives you peace of mind. It lets you know what the deal is. If you're infected, then you can, uh, you know, if you have, if you have COVID-19, you can isolate yourself, monitor your, your, your condition, you know, figure out who you might have been in contact with and have them get tested. And it just makes everything better, I think. So, you know. I highly recommend doing this. I urge everyone to go out there and get tested. So, you know, as I mentioned, we finished up recording. It's been a very, very brutal uh, couple of weeks just uh, in the studio working during the day. Um, the first couple of days of recording were weird. I mean, we did the drums uh, about a, over a month ago because the, the way things were supposed to lay out was... Uh, Justin went in and recorded all the drums. Then we were supposed to have a couple of practices and then go on tour with Napalm Death for a whole U.S. tour. Come back, do laundry, get some sleep, head back into the studio to finish the rest of the album. And that was going to be that. That was like the, the schedule. But, you know, with the uh, lockdown and quarantine, the tour got canceled as well as every other tour, festival, even, you know, one-off local shows, all that stuff is down the tubes for the rest of the year. So that was gone. Uh, studio was, was closed because at that time, it made sense for everything to be, like, locked down. We weren't going to be, like, you know, in the studio 
recording a fucking record in the middle of this thing. So um, we kept these dates and we went ahead and, and went into the studio and did this. And, and we, you know, we wore masks uh, to get there. But when we were in the room, we, I, we had social distance. But um, I, you know, I made a personal decision to not wear a mask, you know, exercise as much personal, you know, distance, social distance as you can. But um, it was, you know, it was a decision. And, and I don't know if it was like a, uh, the most responsible thing, but that's why I'm getting tested again in a couple of weeks. You know, I mean, I, I know that going into the session that I was negative. So there was that. Everyone else that was involved in this had been, you know, isolating themselves and, you know, exercising, social distancing and wearing masks and pants hand sanitizer and all this other stuff. So, you know, I, I, I just wanted to be upfront about that, transparent, that, you know, I wasn't the most responsible person in these cases. I mean, I I couldn't wear a mask while I was fucking playing guitar. I couldn't wear a mask while I was singing. And that's kind of how I wanted to, I wanted to go through this, you know, and do the best I can, but I also wanted to be able to experience this thing the way I wanted to experience it. Uh, the first few days, were it was weird being around everyone, man. It was like, I felt like we were doing something wrong, you know? I felt like we were, like, violating some rule just by being in a room together. And uh, that was a really fucked up feeling. And as things open up and loosen and, you know, they start going through phase one, two, and three, of the reopening or whatever... There's going to be this like weird anxiety. I think it's going to carry over with everybody, almost like a PTSD where you're going to feel like uncomfortable and weird when you're around other people. And, and that that's like a fucked up thing, man. And because I, I went through a, a smaller version of that just now. And yeah, anyway, we got over it. Um, you know, just say what you will about me. I, I did what I did. So. Record's done, tracking's done. Uh, gonna do a little bit of reamping on Wednesday. And then it's uh, mixing time. And the other bummer is that the whole process of making a record, right around this time when everything's done, I, would, I start thinking about, man, this sounds like something. There's like a, a thing here that didn't exist just as an idea, it existed as an idea in our heads, and now it's part of, it's been manifested into this thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to it getting out there to everyone. I'm looking forward to getting out on the road and blazing up the countryside, playing shows, you know, doing that thing, which is like exactly why I feel like I've been put on this fucking planet, was to make music and go out and, and have adventures on the fucking road. But that's not going to happen. So that's a drag. That's like part of the narrative, I guess, during this whole thing is nothing is ever really that good. There's always, it's okay. Things are okay, but they're not good, you know? And I think that's the feeling I'm having about things right now. I think the record came out great. I'm really looking forward to getting this thing completely wrapped up. And I feel strong about the material. I feel like we were able to do something that it was the end result of years of attempts. You know, every other Tombs record was an attempt to reach some kind of goal. And 
I feel like only recently that I've been having any success in reaching the goal that I've had in my head of what the band should sound like. You know, Monarchy of Shadows was like getting close. You know, this record, Under Sullen Skies, that's the name of the new album, is uh, going to, is, is as close, I think, as I've ever gotten to how I wanted the band to sound. You know, there there's um, a lot of brutal stuff on there. There's a wide variety of different vocal things I've tried tried on this record. You know, there's, uh, you know, st- I feel like the full range of influences are on display here. You know, there's there's some very atmospheric things. There's, you know, like kind of, um, you know, more epic sounding material. Uh, there's brutal stuff. There's fast songs. There's mid-tempo songs. You know, there's like a lot, the lyric stuff. I, f- I feel like the lyrics actually were were the best lyrics I've written, so... Um, aside, you know, I hope, I hope people appreciate it. I hope people are out there and I hope they dig it. You know, I mean, I'm not, you know, every record is brand new and like, I don't, I know I like it. That's all I can say. I don't know how people are going to react to it. So we'll see. But anyway, it's done. I, another thing that is, a another disappointment is I will not be going up to the attended mastering session at West West Side Studios with uh alan douches my you know my guru my mastering guru the great alan douches mastering engineer extraordinaire who's mastered most of everything about 99.9 percent of everything i've ever played on alan has mastered so part of part of the whole experience of making a record is the trip up to his studio i mean he's, he's relocated from uh Tenafly, new jersey up to uh, Windsor, New York, which is right on the Hudson. And uh, I used to love, man, it, it, it's part, the final, mo- the final movement of this thing is taking the Friday. So I always book it on a Friday so I can visit my parents afterwards, driving up on a Friday morning, going to a studio out, you know, out in Windsor, bringing up the mixes, you know, in his like room where everything sounds the way it's supposed to sound, totally flat room. And just watching him do his thing and making, putting those final touches onto something that makes it the, a record. You know, and and that's like, what well, I won't be experiencing that firsthand. You know, and it's not just that; it's the conversations, the the hangout, um, you know, the stories. Uh, you know, at this stage of the game, I've known Alan for over 20 years. And yeah, I think the first records I, I mastered him were way back in like maybe 97, 98. So it's been you know, a little bit over 20 years I've known this gentleman. And, you know, we, we've developed the friendship, you know, and, and I think that uh, I, I'm going to miss being there this time around. And um, like I said, the whole experience driving up there. You know, the sessions always go really smoothly, wrapping it up, driving down to my parents, visiting them, you know, getting takeout or going to a diner or something like that with my folks, spending the night and then driving back to wherever afterwards. That's going to be the step that's missing this time around. And it sucks, you know. But, hey, man, I'm just uh, speaking freely here and... uh 
you know, it's things are not good. They're okay, but they're not good. They're not great. Everything has this like by the way associated with it. You know, the weather is getting nice, but you can't really go anywhere. <laughs> you can't, you can't touch anyone. You know what I mean? It's like, it's weird, you know? So someday this will all be part of the past. I'm assuming. And, uh, I haven't really had much time to, I mean, I've been watching a lot of, uh, movies and TV shows and whatever, and reading a ton, which is cool. Um, I guess not having the commute, not having the gym to go to those hours are spent maybe taking in media and reading and stuff. And, uh, you know, what those, those extra minutes and half hour increments or hour increments of time that I would spend traveling. I guess I have those hours to spend on other things. So that's cool. So, um, yeah, I read a bunch of books. I read, the the reddening, I finished that, uh, Matheson book, uh, Omega man, which is, uh, <laughs> grimly appropriate to the time I think that we're living in. Um, I'm starting up a new book of short stories uh, that are by Adam Neville, the guy who wrote The Reddening and also wrote that great novel, The Ritual, which was made into a Netflix TV show, um, actually a Netflix movie. Uh, starting up a book of short stories of his. Um, there's, I recently got the, the com uh, complete series of the terminator comics that came out on dark horse back in the 90s and that's that's a trip because i i don't i never read the full series but i had a couple issues here and there and it's like set in the 90s you know and, and it's cool i i really like dark horse comics as treatment of those uh those film properties like alien um you know uh the thing from another world you know predator and the terminator those are always uh, real fun. Anyway, it brings me to um, The Walking Dead, which I ended up, I never, you know, I, I didn't read that last group of, that last piece of the story because uh, issue 193 was the final issue. And I, I, I missed that entire run of comics. So I ended up getting uh, the final uh, compendium, volume four, which uh, just showed up the other day. And I'm probably going to be getting into that soon. And um, concurrent to that, I ended up watching the show because, uh, you know, the last couple of years have been this kind of a Huckleberry Finn adventure for me of not having, uh, you know, the most uh, comfortable living accommodations, things like that. So now that I'm in my own space again um, with all of my stuff around me and time to be divvied up how as I, ple as I, as I please... I've been able to dive into that show. I, it was season nine and 10 are the last two seasons. And after the mid-season mid break in season nine, I just fell off watching the show. So I binged uh, the second half of, of season nine and I just recently started watching um, season 10. And it's not really binging because I would come back from the studio like around 1130 every night and uh, you know, you're kind of like, you got to settle down. You know, you can't just all right, walk in the door and go right to sleep. 
so to, to, to wind down, I'd watch like one episode of that every night and, um, and then fall asleep afterwards. So last night though, when I got in, it was, I, I ended up binging a bunch of season 10. So anyway, the show is good, man. I know a lot of people talk shit about the walking dead. And I think that there was definitely a lull, but season nine and 10 are fucking awesome. And I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if it's cool to like it anymore or what, but I like it. I don't give a fuck, man. I think it, I'm not going to be a hipster about it. I know, I know even the comic books. I think the comics were some of the best comics out there, man. You know, and I'm not going to be a hipster about that either. I, think, I know some people that I, that are in, deep in the comics world were like, oh, this is like the worst thing ever. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. This is like really well-written, you know, like compelling you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's nothing new, but the stories are cool. You know, the vill- they always had great villains, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, the, the TV show, I still, I still like it. They got likable characters. I think the writing is pretty good. There's great, you know, gore. You know, I, I, I think the, um, I mean, the Whisperers are, are part of the comic book uh, continue, continuity. So, so they were bound to show up and... That, that's a good storyline. You know, there's a lot of creepy stuff in there. But one of the things I really appreciate, which is like kind of going full circle back to where I started, is that aside from being a, a totally entertaining show, The Walking Dead also has been good at bringing it, getting into like social stuff, like social commentary. You know, there's like a lot of diversity in the cast and crew. I mean, not cast and crew, but the characters. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know who works. I know, uh, you know, Frank Darabon works on it and Greg Nicotero, but I don't, I don't know if the crew, that was like a mis, misspeaking of, of my, my uh, misstatements, I guess. But the, the cast is very diverse, man. You got all sorts of people. You got, you know, gay people. You got straight, black, white, you know, like Latin people, whatever, Asians. They're all involved, you know, Middle Eastern guys, everyone. You know, it's cool. And it's like the world would be. I mean, I think that if there was a zombie apocalypse, you would you would run into you wouldn't just run into white people. You know, it would be, you'd run into all kinds of people, all different walks of life, all different you know philosophies and ideas and that sort of thing. So that's cool. And also, one of my biggest pet peeves of the woke you know horror experience is how fucking heavy-handed everything is. And I think that The Walking Dead really does a good job with having like strong female characters without beating you up over it. You know, it's like Michonne, she's a leader, but she's also very complex. Like there's, you know, she's a mother. She's like a a leader. She's a fighter. Like that's been from, from number number one, like her development as a character has been pretty profound you know, from the beginning to where she's at now, you know? And uh, so they deal with, they deal with women in a really cool way. Like there's a lot of strong female characters, but they're not like these, you know, stereotypical, like bitch, bitchy, you know, they have to be like overly aggressive. and, And I think that's, that's like a disservice to women as well, that you can't be a mother and be strong. You have to be like this total bitch character that like, you know, hates men and all this kind of, you know, whatever. Um, so there's none of that. I think that's cool. Um, 
you know, there's gay characters that it's not like it's, it's part of who they are. It's not what defines them. And I think that's a really strong thing to have in, in a fictional piece like this, where they're not defined by their sexuality. It's just part of who they are, you know? And I think it's cool. You know, there's even like, they even have a character that's, um, ambiguous and gender ambiguous, you know, and, and I think that's cool. And they do it in this very natural way. And I, I like that. And I think that um, it's one of the one of the shows out there that handle this kind of thing the best. So yeah, that's enough of The Walking Dead. Oh, there, it's a great show. I dig it. I don't care if you guys like it or dislike it. I, you know, I'm down with it. I back it. Looking forward to season 11. You know, maybe someday Rick will come back. Maybe Maggie will come back. That's cool. You know. And, um, yeah, so, and that's it. That's all I got. Um, like I said, uh, hanging in there, you know, I'm going to try to get some, some more guests on this thing to just talk shit about stuff and see where we go. But, uh, yeah, everyone, everyone be well and, uh, make sure you check out metal matters every week and, uh, comes out every Tuesday. Uh, it's the Gimme Radio official heavy metal extreme music podcast. It comes out every week. Got stuff, on, got really cool stuff on there. And starting in June, we're going to be producing more Necromaniacs episodes that are going to be launched in July. So June is going to be good for that. We're going to be, uh, you know, recording and scheduling episodes for July. So any horror fans out there, be advised. There's going to be more horror content coming out there at you. So anyway, be well. Take care, all. Be